0: Fresh Fiction Podcast is brought to you by Ravel and Bethany House Books, who are celebrating the release of Oath of Honor by Lynette Eason. When police officer Isabel St. John's partner is murdered, she must work with Detective Ryan Marshall to solve a case that may force her to choose between family and justice. Police officer Isabel St. John loves her crazy, loud law enforcement family, but with three brothers and two sisters, she's never without someone to hang out with or fight with. And she knows they'll be there for her when things get tough. Like when her partner is murdered and she barely escapes with her own life. Determined to discover exactly what happened, Izzy's investigation sends her headfirst into a criminal organization, possibly with cops on the payroll, including someone from her own family. With her dead partner's handsome homicide detective brother, Ryan, shadowing her every move, Izzy's head is spinning. How can she secure justice for her partner when doing so can mean sending someone she loves to prison? And how will she guard her heart when the man she's had a crush on for years won't leave her side? With her signature fast-paced, edge-of-your-seat action, Lynette Eason invites readers into a captivating new series where justice is a family affair. Oath of Honor is available everywhere books are sold, online or in stores. You can also read a review of Oath of Honor on FreshFiction.com. Hey guys, welcome back to the Fresh Fiction Podcast, where we break down all the fun things we've watched, read, and listened to this week. I'm your new best friend, Gwen Reyes, and today I'm joined by my best friend, Alicia Venus, who stopped by to watch Love Simon with me. Also, on today's episode, I chatted with author Irene Hannon about her newest book, Pelican Point. Make sure you stick around for that very fun interview. If you love what you hear, don't forget to subscribe to the Fresh Fiction Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or any of your favorite podcast apps. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram by following at RealVixen. And that's spelled R-E-E-L-V-I-X-E-N. Stay tuned for after the break. We'll have more with Irene and Alicia. here with Alicia, and we just had the most exciting weekend.
1: Yes, we did. <laughs> so, Alicia, thank you for joining me. I'm
0: happy to be here. Um, some, some of you guys, uh, to get to know Alicia, she is... You're from Florida. I and am. We are in Texas right now, and it is a completely different environment. Yes.
1: A hundred percent.
0: She's going home tomorrow, um, and we will miss her dearly. However, I had a whole weekend with her, and we were in a wedding, weren't we?
1: We were. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. We were in a wedding at the Dallas Arboretum on Saturday evening, and um, we were covered in mosquitoes Ugh. for about an hour, yes. but... We were paid back by, with a gorgeous sunset. Yes, that's true. And beautiful, beautiful evening out there. So on the lake,
0: mm-hmm. it was There's something to be said for places like an arboretum or these venue spaces that are outside where you don't have to do a lot of decoration and yes. everything is just so nice. It's still just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was great. You get what you pay for. You do, it's true. And neither of us caught the bouquet. Nope. Thankfully. Uh Um, Alicia made a beautiful speech, which she spent an entire week memorizing. And I was incredibly impressed because I can't memorize my name, let alone (laughs) an entire speech that I have to then (gasps) recite in
1: front of people. Thank you. (laughs) Well, I was, I was too nervous to, to about it, to stand and read it. Mm -hmm. So I, I read through it so many times that I just knew it. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, it was great. Well, after an amazing
0: weekend, um, of dancing and hanging out with our dear friend, we then decided to t- treat ourselves to a relax a relaxing afternoon at the movies.
1: <laughs> yes, it was so nice it after was. all the running around.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So Alicia and I, when we were growing
0: up, we would spend our entire summers watching movies and TV shows together. And now that we kind of go in opposite directions, Alicia has like zero time for television anymore. <laughs> so it was cool to get to take her to the movies. Yep, and. Uh, relive our 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 younger days absolutely so what did we see we got to see um love simon love simon
1: yes Yes. Wow, twins (laughs) uh i loved it what did you think i loved it as well yeah it was charming so charming it was funny Mm -hmm. it made me laugh yes cry i cried i cried so many times yeah and i couldn't stop like but not a bad cry. No. It was no, good no. a good cry. very good cry. Yeah. Happy tears.
0: I had been warned going in that there were going to be these emotions near the end, so uh, I, I was prepared. Yeah. However, I was not prepared. Yeah. There, mm. there were more tears than I expected.
1: I also really liked the element of trying to figure it out, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's a situation in which two people are writing emails back and forth and their identities are hidden. And the whole movie you're going is it this one is it this guy is it this guy and that part for me was fun yeah it's, it makes it an active experience absolutely so the the film um love simon is
0: based off of a young adult book called simon versus the homo sapiens agenda by becky albertali i hope i'm not butchering her name And it is about a young boy. I'm sure she is used to it. Um, It's about a young young man, he's 17 years old, and he is gay. And he's actually perfectly fine with being gay, he's just not fine with anyone knowing he's gay. And he's kind of dealing with that issue. Um, And he finds out that there is another kid at their school who is also going through these issues because he com- he confesses on this secret website mm-hmm. that allows people to share their secrets and, and it's all available to the students of this school. Right. So he sends this boy, in, or we assume it's a boy, um, an email, and they start going back and forth. And it's per- you're exactly right. It's like um, they go back and forth. It kind of has a lake house vibe to it, a little bit of you've got mail in there. Yep. And it's just,
1: it was so great. It was very. cute.
0: I really enjoyed watching Nick Robinson, who plays Simon. Sort of. Um, well, he took. He definitely takes charge, and he's so. And he's just so charismatic, and oh, you yeah. cannot look away from him.
1: He really is. I was very impressed with him, especially if there's a scene in which he imagines when he gets to college, he'll be out and proud. And, they, <laughs> and it's a very funny scene. They do sort of a fame walk through um, the college and they made him dance a little bit, but not so much where it was too much. Like, it was just perfect. He was just normal guy.
0: Yeah. And then at the end of it, he's like, maybe not that gay. Like,
1: yeah. it so <laughs> but it was really a fun little yeah. a fun little fun journey. It
0: made me think, um, a movie that both you and I love, 500 Days of Summer, it reminded me of that scene, like yeah. the dancing scene in that. So it was yeah. a good use of a musical theater element. Uh huh.
1: I liked it. Um,
0: And it was directed by Greg Berlanti, who I think a lot of listeners know from his work, his TV work. He does all, his production house produces all of the DC television adaptations for the CW. Mm -hmm. So that includes Arrow and Flash and uh, Black Lightning and Riverdale. (laughs) Wow. Um, Soon to be Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Like he does, he does them all. Vixen, like you just—I could just keep going. He's—he's he's got them all. But him. one of his first fame, uh, first claims to fame was Everwood, Hi. and there's actually a really great homage at the end of Love Simon that was a nice little nod to his time on Everwood. Okay. So I think i think listeners will really enjoy that. Part. Yeah, unless you didn't like Everwood, then um, whatever. Then
1: I don't know who you are. I know.
0: <laughs> actually, to be real with you, and this is a confession that I don't tell very many people, but now I'm telling you guys. I had never finished watching Everwood. You know, I think I did. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you did. Pretty sure I did. Yeah. But but I understand that. I, yeah, I gave up right when he got the girl pregnant, and I mm, was just, I don't know, a little busy. Yeah. yeah. It was good, though. It's a good show, and it's actually available on CWC and Hulu and available for watching, so people have a chance to watch that. And I'll double-check that and make sure that I got that.
1: Yeah, uh, I just assume streaming. everything's on
0: Hulu. Yeah, everything is. Um, so, mm-hmm. Alicia, for yeah. our closing thoughts,
1: what was your favorite part of Love, Simon? Well, I think my favorite part of the of watching the movie was guessing. Is mm-hmm. it this guy? Is it this guy? Um, and then also there's dynamics in between him and his friends, you know, who... Who likes who? Mm-hmm. Kind of just trying because they play it pretty subtle.
0: Yeah, they do. And they do
1: a good job. It's so grounded. Uh-huh. The show is very, very grounded. And so it's plot. There's many plausible options. Yeah. And so to me, that was the best part. Mm-hmm. But I really just enjoyed um, the whole movie. That little scene, the dancing scene I talked about too. I also yeah, I enjoyed that a lot.
0: I really enjoyed. It. Yeah, I like the dancing scene. I love the Ferris wheel scene at the end. Yes. Um,
1: I. I Josh really, Yeah, I did <laughs> Josh Duhamel is amazing. He plays the <laughs> so father.
2: Funny. Yeah, I
0: also
1: really enjoyed Tony Hale, who plays the he r- was the vice the- principal, and he's oh. so inclusive and just yes. sweet. I just now, I just yeah. now remembered. My favorite moment may have been because it was laugh out loud for me. <laughs> was so the main character gets outed, mm-hmm. and he shows up at school after Christmas break. And the vice principal, Tony Hale, is there. And he's very quiet. Normally he's very animated, but he's quiet. He's just standing there. But then they pant- they close up on him, and he's wearing a rainbow flag pin. Yeah. And I saw it before you saw yeah. it and some other people. And I immediately just went like, ah! Ha, ha, ha. Like, it caught me so Funny. It was so. That was the best moment. Yeah, that was a great moment. That was the best moment. It was, I loved it. it he, His character
0: reminded me a lot of the, um, I can't remember if it was the principal character in 21 Jump Street mm. that just was sort of there with good intentions. Yeah. So, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, but I love Love, Simon, and it is definitely uh, my list, my watch for this week, and I think yeah. yours as well. And I actually am very excited
1: about the soundtrack. Yeah. So that's going to be my listen for the week as well. I know. And now I have an assignment mm-hmm. to listen to The Bleachers. Yes. The Jack, the lead singer of The Bleachers, Jack.
0: Antonoff. At Antonoff. Thank you. I always want to say Abramoff, but that's not right. Antonoff. Yeah. Uh, was the music supervisor for the Love, Simon soundtrack. So there's a lot of bleachers in there mm-hmm. and, um, it's fun music. So it's great. Yeah. Cool. Well, Alicia, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have my first guest and that it's my bestie for life. And, uh, you can hear our interview that we have coming up and
1: Alicia, thank you so much. Thank you. Talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good.
0: Irene Hannon, thank you so much for um, stopping by to talk to us today. We're really excited to discuss Pelican Point, your newest book, and then also um, you as a person and as a writer.
2: Well, it's a pleasure to be here.
0: Well, so Irene, let's go ahead and just start a little bit, We'll start at the beginning. Uh, You were born. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's true. (laughs) We got that, that part we know. (laughs) Um, But let's talk a little bit about how um, you became a writer and a little bit about yourself um, and who you are.
2: Okay, well, it's interesting that I get that question. I just did a speaking engagement yesterday, and one of the questions I often get is, when did you decide to become a writer? And I always kind of smile when people ask me that question because mm-hmm. the truth is I did not decide to become a writer. I was born a writer. And I tell people it's that writing, like any other talent, is really a gift. And I think people who are storytellers are more or less born with that gift, and, and I was born with the gift. I, gift. I always talk about my husband, who's an, a wonderful artist. He can sit there with a pencil and in like a few brush strokes capture a person or a scene, and I could take le- art lessons until I was 100, and every person I drew would look like a stick figure, right? <laughs> because I do not see with the eyes of an artist. So I, I do think it's a gift, and you can certainly hone it and, and get better at it, but you have to kind of be born with that gift. So... I was born with that gift, and I like to tell people I made my official fiction writing debut when I was 10, and I was one of the honorees in a complete the story contest published by a national children's magazine. That was my first taste of it. But then there was a long gap until my first novel was published, and part of that was because, you know, writing is a very... um, unpredictable profession and not something you can necessarily count on to generate a living wage at the beginning Mm -hmm. and I'm a very practical person so this whole notion of being a starving artist in a garret somewhere that did not appeal to me Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I never really thought about writing as a career even when I was in college but I did work on the school newspaper I majored in something else but I ultimately decided to go into writing through journalism I got a master's in journalism I worked in the corporate world for many years and on the side, started to write fiction, and it was a long journey to the first book getting published. Lots of rejections along the way, but ultimately I did publish a book, but I continued both careers for a very long time. I think I had more than a dozen books written before I really decided, okay, I think I can switch now, leave this wonderful corporate job, which is very predictable and has regular benefits and a good salary and health insurance and all those things. And... I think I can go ahead and make the switch and become a full-time writer. And that's what I did back in 2003. So since 2003, I have been writing. I have been making a living full-time as a novelist. And that's kind of a really brief recap of my writing journey.
0: Wow. I mean, and that's so incredible because it has, I'm always so impressed with authors who have full-time day jobs and then mm-hmm. make a full, you know, a three-fourth time Uh, writing career and having to be able to balance that. And I'm sure you slept, you did not sleep a lot those years.
2: No, it was, it was tough. And what happened was I kept rising in the ranks in the corporate world, which is a wonderful thing for that career, but eventually got to the point where I was at an executive level position and the job became 24 seven. I did a lot of work directly for the CEO, chairman of the board, and I was on call all the time. And I just I, I had no time or energy for writing left, and I went a whole year without writing at all, any fiction, and that's when I realized, okay, I can either continue the corporate career and put the writing on hold until I retire, which was a lot of years down the road, right. or I can just make this switch and walk away from this great job and focus on fiction. And the interesting thing was I, I really had to think about that a long time, but three different things happened back to back, uh, which were amazing, they kind of gave me the guidance I needed to say, okay, I am going to leave the corporate job. And it was, in hindsight, the best thing I could have done, because that is when my career began to soar. I moved into, I I had been writing contemporary romance only, and then I also expanded into romantic suspense, and that's when my career just took off. Uh, it It was an amazing experience. So I have really never looked back, and I have certainly never miss the rush hour uh, traffic or the uh, corporate politics are in those days a BlackBerry that never slept. So it was a great decision for me to do. But it was a big leap because as in many artistic kinds of fields, you're only as good as your last book or two. You have a couple of bad books and your publisher isn't going to be real crazy about uh, renewing a contract. But I have been very fortunate that the books have done well. So it was a good decision for me.
0: And do you still write um, contemporary? I know you write contemporary, but do you still write Romantic suspense?
2: Yes, absolutely. I alternate. Uh, I alternate now between the genres. I do my contemporary romance in the spring, and I do my romantic suspense in the fall. And it's been it's been a wonderful journey. Every single one of the um, Hope Harbor books, which we're going to talk about, and every single one of the suspense books have been bestsellers. So it, it just it's been a, it's been a wonderful journey.
0: Yeah, and finding your voice and finding what works for you it's mm-hmm. it's a journey, like you said.
2: It is. It is.
0: So that's a perfect transition. Let's jump right into um, Pelican Point, which is the fourth in your Hope Harbor series. Um, give re- give listeners a little bit of background about Hope Harbor, and then we'll talk about Pelican Point.
2: Sure. Well, Hope Harbor uh, was a ... I had the concept for setting a book on the on, in a small town on the Oregon coast, and, and I had never visited there, but I'd seen many pictures. So when I decided to pursue that, I did visit Oregon, did a lot of research, traveled the state from top to bottom took lots of notes, lots of research, and, it found, and created this little town called Hope Harbor. And initially, I thought, I hoped it would be more than one book, but I started with one book, and we, my publisher and I agreed we'd see how it went and what readers thought, and they absolutely have fallen in love with Hope Harbor, and every book has been so well received. And there are many, there are more to come. But I should also say, for any listeners, you—they probably heard you say book four. And I want to assure people that. You can pick up any of these books and read it as a standalone. The story begins and ends within that book. I don't carry plot points over from book to book. It's a whole new cast of main characters. The the linking element is the town. So if somebody is listening and thinks, book four, I can't pick that up. I haven't read the others. doesn't make any difference. You can read any of them in any order. But this book is book four and I love the story because do you want to talk a little bit about the story of this particular book? Yeah,
0: absolutely because I find yeah. it really I love the idea of this lighthouse and, and well, yeah.
2: Yeah. The lighthouse who doesn't love a lighthouse? I just, it's true. They're so romantic and they have, they just have this Aura and this mystique about them. So, the concept of this book was I have an army doctor who has just mustered out, and he has come to this little town of Hope Harbor because coincidentally his grandfather, who lived there, has passed away unexpectedly, and he is coming to sort of wrap up the estate. And he arrives only to discover that the main asset in the estate is this crumbling lighthouse that is has been a town landmark. Well, he's accepted a, a job as in an orthopedic practice in Ohio, so he does not want to linger in Hope Harbor, and he needs to get rid of the lighthouse. So, he, the town would love to buy it, but they can't afford it, so he finds a buyer who is interested in it, and only to discover that the plan is to tear the lighthouse down. Enter our heroine, who is Marcy Weber. She runs the town newspaper. She's a redhead and she is a little bit on the impetuous side and very vivacious well, she wants none of that. She is going to try to save this lighthouse. So she rallies the town and at first the two of them kind of butt heads, but ultimately he doesn't really want it to be torn down either. They start to try to work together to to figure out how to save this lighthouse. And they both, of course, he's got the distancing. He's getting ready to go to Ohio. So that's a bit of a conflict. And they both have some uh, bad relationships in their background. So they're a little bit wary about getting involved with each other. And so their story's taking place. And I have this wonderful Secondary story of another soldier just back, who has been badly injured in the war, uh, permanently disabled in some way, and he had left for war after, two months after marrying his wife. So they are they are a newly married couple struggling now to cope with this traumatic injury that has affected the rest of their life, and they're having a difficult time in their marriage. And they're, they get pulled into this lighthouse story in a very interesting way. So what what happens is that all four of these lives begin to inter, to interrelate, and all the people begin to interrelate, and you see this wonderful um, situation, which happens so much in life, of how people's lives connect with each other, and it sort of creates this beautiful tra- tapestry of of how a community works. And so that's a secondary story, but it's integral to the plot. And a lot of readers have loved that secondary story as well. Mm -hmm.
0: Do you ever, and especially in like a book like this, where you you are a series like this, where you're very conscious of not making, you know, not carrying over plot points, not maybe even carrying over major characters, would you ever want to maybe make a, a novella about that couple?
2: Uh, well, their stories kind of completed in this mm-hmm. book, in the sense that they resolve their issues and 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 go on. And some of my major, some of my characters do appear in subsequent novels. If you are a new reader to the series, you wouldn't necessarily know that. But for readers who've been following the book, they're always happy to see a character reappear in sort of a cameo role. And I do have a couple. I do have a four secondary characters, uh, three in particular, that have been in every book that readers just love. And I could not write a book now without them. One of them (laughs) is Charlie Lopez, who runs the taco stand on the wharf here, who's kind of the town sage and wisdom dispenser and kind of knows a lot about everybody. And I've written 54 books, 54 books have been published, and of all of the books together, Charlie Lopez has generated the most reader comments. Wow. People just love him. And every time they read a Hope Harbor book and they Somebody writes me about it. They say, now Charlie's going to be in the next one, right? (laughs) And of course, I cannot write a book now without Charlie. And we have a wonderful seagull couple, Floyd and Gladys, who are in every book. The readers have loved them, too. In fact, they're on the cover of Pelican Point. I told my publisher, you have to put the seagulls on the cover. (laughs) So they're there in the background. If anybody looks, you'll see Floyd and Gladys. there.
0: I know. I see them right there, (laughs) hanging out right under the L and I. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That is so cool. Is it fun writing animals? I always, I'm always, always curious about authors who get to write, uh, who write animals.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and, you know, I have not done that in other books, but this series lent itself kind of to some inclusion of some animals, and almost, I think, every book I've written so far, there's some... Animal that has been either, that has been added to the book. Now sometimes they're only in that book, and in, in Pelican Point, uh, there is a pelican named Tarpo that makes a brief appearance. So readers have kind of come to look for. Okay, who's the new animal in this book? And as say, sometimes it's just a page that they're on and they never appear again. But I've kind of gotten into the point now. Okay, I'd better add an animal.
0: Right, a little Easter egg for the readers. <laughs> yes, yes.
2: But Floyd and Gladys are in every book. <laughs>
0: So when you started writing Hope Harbor, had you expected it to be um, an ongoing series, or was it just like a one-off book that you then kind well, of spun Well, I,
2: I, I didn't know. I hoped that it would be, but I, it, of course, it all depends on how readers respond and how well the book sells, and the book just took off, and... It, it, my publisher immediately said, okay, let's plan on some more Hope Harbor books. So we, we did two more. And then she said, okay, let's do more. So we did two more. And we we're just now talking about doing three more. Wow. So the book, this series continues to go. And I had re- so many readers say, because a lot of people thought it would just be three books, which is kind of a typical number for a series. And when they found out there were more, they were, I'm so glad I mm-hmm. don't have to leave Hope Harbor. So many people have said, if this was a real place, I would want to live there. <laughs> That is such a compliment. It is. it is. It is. It's great to create a place that's so real for people that they can visualize being there. And honestly, now having written four books and fifth coming now, it is, it's, it's that real to me. I can just. I can envision myself standing there in the harbor on the wharf, seeing Charlie's Taco Stand and, and Sweet Dreams Bakery where they have great cinnamon rolls. I can just see myself in this little town. It's that real to me.
0: That's so cool. I love, I love the this trend of it's not like a, a newish trend, but just the um, enjoyment of readers finding these small town romances and just falling in love with both the characters and the towns as well.
2: Right, I agree. I think there's there's a real appeal to that, and and in my books at least, the other appeal I think is that the stories are very hope filled. You know, you feel good when you read these books, and you feel you just come away filled with a sense of hope. So I, I, like, I like leaving readers with that kind of a feeling when they finish a book.
0: Absolutely. Well, Irene, I'm just kind of switching gears a little bit. Uh, one of the things that we love to do at the Fresh Fiction Podcast is we love talking about what we're um, watching, reading, and listening to. And I know you're a very busy author, so, you, so finding the time to have some sort of uh, cool down at the end of your day might be challenging. But I'm just curious, what are you uh, reading, watching, and listening to right now?
2: That is an interesting question, and I just had the question yesterday at the speaking engagement I did about what, what, who's your favorite author and what do you like to read? Well, first of all, I read eclectically. I don't have a favorite author. I read pretty broadly when I have the time, mm-hmm. but it is a challenge. It is a huge challenge to find time to read. When you're trying to produce two full-length novels a year and still have a life, yeah. <laughs> so and I do judge a few writing contests, so then I'm reading for those. So in my free time, I have very little free time to read, but I do, I do love to read. I, I've always loved to read, and when I can squeeze it in, uh, I will, I will find a book and I will read it. But I, there, there is no particular author that I typically go to. And the question about what do I listen to? It's funny. I know that some authors developed even a playlist for their book of Mm -hmm. music that they've listened to that's inspired them, and they'll share that with readers. I work best in quiet. Mm -hmm. I do not listen to any music at all while I'm working, and, and I love music, and I've been active for many years in musical theater, but when I'm working, I don't want any sound at all. I, I like to work in quiet, or in, on my screen porch and listen to the birds sing. That's probably my favorite music while I'm working. I find music to be more distracting than helpful. Yeah. And the third part of your question was, what do, I, what do I listen to? What do I read? And what was the other oh, one? Oh,
0: and what are you watching?
2: What am I watching? Oh, that's, a, that's an interesting question, too, because I don't watch TV at all. I, I just don't watch TV. If that's what you mean, what do I watch?
0: Yeah, like TV, not, movies, um, any, yeah, research. Yeah,
2: I'm not. I'm not a TV watcher. My husband will watch, and sometimes I'll sit with him and watch a part of a show or something. But I don't find most of the shows that are on today to be of interest to me. There just, there's so much, so much violence and I, I don't know, I just don't like all of those kinds of shows. If I'm going to watch a movie, I will typically we typically watch old movies. I like, I'm a fan of old classic movies. So if I'm going to sit down and watch a movie, it will typically be one that's an old classic movie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I think it's funny that you bring up the that you mentioned about not wanting to listen to anything while you're writing or working. I feel the exact same way and I love music and I've always been and I listen to a lot of podcasts and, um, I'm recently getting into audiobooks. It's a little bit more challenging for me. Um, mm-hmm. but I'm the same way. I don't want any noise on when I'm, when I'm thinking or trying to brainstorm because I get just dist- I'll just start getting distracted and thinking right. about the song instead.
2: Right. Exactly. That's how I feel. Exactly. So I, I just, I, and I'm, I am perfectly happy in silence. And just as I said, if I'm outside listening to the sounds of nature, that is that is relaxing for me it lets me focus and concentrate and that's so that's my always my preference
0: that's awesome well irene our time is almost over and i'm very sad it's been so lovely chatting with you but how can readers find out um more about you and stay connected with you
2: the if you if readers are looking for background in book lists and, and backlist kind of things and bio and all that, they should they can find that on IreneHannon.com, which is my website. And I'm very active on Facebook. It is my favorite. So I do a little Twitter, but I love Facebook. I'm active there, and I love to interact with readers on Facebook. Uh, I'm... I'm I do it all myself. So if somebody wonders, does she really answer all these people? Yes, it's me. (laughs) I I like to interact with readers. So the best place for background information is my website the best, best place to interact with me and get the latest news would be Facebook.
0: That's great. Well, I've now just figured out why you don't have time to watch anything or read anything. It's because you're busy being a good author and being accessible to your readers. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, that's more fun to me than than watching a current TV show. So I'd rather do that.
0: Yeah, than living I'd in the now.
2: Yes. <laughs> absolutely
0: well irene thank you so much and um listeners you can find more information about pelican point at irene's website and also on freshfiction.com and the book is out so i know that irene is thrilled to hear from you guys
2: absolutely
0: great well irene thank you so much and i hope you have a great rest of your day
2: thank you you too
0: thank you i'd like to extend my thanks again to irene hannon for joining me today You can find Pelican Point anywhere books are sold. Thank you also to Ravel and Bethany House Books for their continued support of the podcast. Make sure you stop by freshfiction.com to find out more about Lynette Easton's Oath of Honor, which is available now. We're still growing, so please help us out by rating the podcast, leaving a comment, or even just sharing it on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Fresh Fiction, Instagram as Fresh Fiction, and on Facebook. I'll be back next time with something new to watch, read, and listen to.